Anyone wishing to pass judgment or making a ranking on 2024 so far should consider that only 2.2% of the year has taken place so far. More evidence should be gathered. Perhaps each edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement will assist you in your evaluation. Either way, I'm Sean Tubbs, here to capture as much as I can. On today's program, Christopher Fairchild is the new chair of the Fluvanna Board of Supervisors. An expert on infectious diseases from the University of Virginia Health System provides an update on winter respiratory illnesses and the latest COVID strain. And a roundup of recent land use applications in Albemarle County, including an amendment for more residential units at the Albemarle Business Campus. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, since the beginning of this newsletter in the summer of 2020, one Patreon supporter has dedicated their shout-out to an organization that seeks to draw awareness of the importance of native species to the ecosystem. And with spring not so far away, this is perhaps the best time to think about what to plant this season. So now is the time to visit Plant Northern Piedmont Natives to learn what you can about what species are specific to this region. The initiative is part of a partnership with 10 regional campaigns for 10 different ecosystems across Virginia, from the northern Piedmont to the eastern shore. Take a look at the full map in a link in the newsletter for the Campaign for Native Species where you are in the Commonwealth. You can also download a free copy of their handbook, Piedmont Native Plants, a guide for landscapes and gardens. Thank you to that Patreon supporter for helping keep this going. The five-member Board of Supervisors in Fluvanna got to work last week at an organizational meeting that began with County Administrator Eric Dahl presiding. There were two new members. Welcome, uh, Mr. Hodge and Mr. Goad uh, to the Board of Supervisors. Uh, Mr. Hodge representing the Palmyra District and Mr. Goad representing the Fork Union District. Mike Goad won election to the Fork Union District with 59.48% of the vote. And Timothy Hodge won election to the Palmyra District with 52.14% of the vote. In his first act from the dais, Hodge nominated Supervisor Christopher Fairchild of the Cunningham District to serve as chair. Fairchild is in his first term, having won election in 2021 in an uncontested race. Supervisor Tony O'Brien of the Rivanna District nominated Mike Sheridan of the Columbia District to serve as vice chair. Sheridan is in his third term after being elected in 2013. Both were elected to their positions unanimously. This newsletter and podcast originally began as a way to get information to people about COVID, and in the early days, covering the pandemic was one of the major purposes of Charlottesville Community Engagement. It's now been over three years since the first vaccines came out, making the public health response to the novel coronavirus more manageable. The federal public health emergency ended on May 11, 2023, but the virus itself has continued to evolve. COVID-19 has joined influenza, RSV, and the common cold as one of a series of illnesses that become more widespread in winter months. Dr. Kosti Safri is the Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System. 
early November, mid-November, we really saw a lot of RSV amongst our kids and saw that uh, as well in uh, some of our older adults. And I think um, starting mid-December, we are starting to see then um, also increased rates, increased diagnosed cases of, of both COVID and influenza. Those, you know, continued into the holidays. And, you know, this is a pattern we've seen before um, that, um, you know, during the holidays, people come together. Um, they're traveling, um, they're going to church, they're um, going to movies, being indoors a lot. Dr. Sifri said a peak is being experienced across the country, and UVA's emergency room and clinics are reporting many cases. You know, I think we're in the middle of it. Um, I think we should uh, find this as no surprise, and it's probably going to be continuing now for for uh, at least several weeks, uh, a couple months Um uh, and, you know, before we start to see reduced rates. With many different viruses out there, there are symptoms that may indicate what a person is carrying. For example, the flu has this characteristic um, that people may be familiar with, that it comes on very rapidly. People feel very sick very quickly, often with headaches and high fevers and muscle aches, and it's a very uh, abrupt onset. Um, COVID can sometimes do that as well, but occasionally it also has, you know, perhaps maybe not as much of a fever component um, um, and occasionally um, has other components such as perhaps more than flu, more GI illness, you know, more, you know, issues like diarrhea. And, um, you know, then RSV has, um, you know, has the ability to, to cause coughing and wheezing in individuals, particularly elderly individuals. Dr. Sifri said there is a lot of overlap and people who are symptomatic should test for all if possible. That's what will happen if you end up hospitalized. It's not unheard of of someone to have more than one virus, and knowing for sure can help inform potential treatments. Epidemiologists continue to track the structure of COVID, and the emerging dominant strain of COVID across the world has the code JN1, which derives from another strain called BA2, 86, which Dr. Sifri said emerged this past August. That was an interesting um, um, new variant because it had a significant number of, of mutations compared to previous variants. So it had, you know, 30 plus um, mutations um, compared to what, what had been circulating before. And when that type of, um, you know, significant mutational shift occurs in a strain, it leads uh, um, us to be concerned that it can become a major player and cause uh, a large spike of infections. That's what was seen, for example, with Omicron when it emerged and was first recognized in South Africa. Dr. Sifri said not as much information is being tracked about COVID as had been occurring during the pandemic, but JN1 is raising more scrutiny, but not raising emergency alarms just yet. Based on preliminary information right now, JN1 is not causing more significant disease um, compared to um, previous variants. So it does not appear, appear to be causing more, proportionally more hospitalizations or more um, 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 other um, um, negative consequences of COVID. Dr. Sifri suggested people who have not received a booster or a vaccination should consider doing so now or wearing a mask in places where lots of people are present. According to the data from the Virginia Department of Health, 12% of the population in Albemarle and Charlottesville had received an updated COVID-19 vaccine in 2023, whereas 30% have received a flu vaccine. That data is good through January 2nd. Remember back to the winter of 2020 and 2021? 
That year, there was a high prevalence of flu. It's just circling back to, to um, thinking about sort of the COVID emergence. We really had no flu and even no cold symptoms when we, um, you know, did things like did, did you know, uh, took those um, non-pharmacologic measures to protect ourselves from, from COVID. We wore masks. We did some social distancing. We were very um, cognizant of washing and cleaning our hands. You know, and those are practices that still work. If you'd like to go back in time and go through the experience again, check out the Charlottesville Quarantine Report. It is a podcast that's still available if you want to go back and take a listen. But right now, you're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, the profession of coal mining is a hazardous one with the potential of coal dust to destroy lungs. The work was dark, dirty, and dangerous, and author Sarah Robinson has written an acclaimed collection of poetry called Needville that memorializes many of the stories of lament and loss in communities that had so much taken away from them. Now, Robinson has translated her collection of poems for the stage, and this will be presented at Live Arts this Friday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. For ticket information, contact Robinson directly at the contact information that's listed in the newsletter. I don't like to give out phone numbers or email addresses, so just look at the newsletter and take a look there. And uh, that's a subscriber-supported public service announcement for Needville this Friday and Saturday at Live Arts. Periodically this year, I'm going to try to increase checking in with what's happening in local governments as it stands to land use. And this is another roundup of what's happening in Albemarle. Ship Engineering has filed an amendment to a previous rezoning for a mixed-use development at the intersection of 5th Street Extended and Old Lynchburg Road that would increase the number of residential units. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors approved a rezoning for the Albemarle Business Campus in October of 2020 that allowed for a maximum of 128 residential units and 401,000 square feet of non-residential use. Those apartments are now under construction. Developer Kyle Redinger also wants to amend the Code of Development to allow a maximum of 368 units. A previous amendment was granted in 2021 that did not seek the increase in the number of places for people to live. Here's a section from the website that describes what the Albemarle Business Campus is. Albemarle Business Campus is a mixed-use development of five separate projects, including a progressive, modern, 69,000-square-foot anchor office building, 10,000 square feet of retail and restaurant space, a 100,000-square-foot flex self-storage building, a second 60,000-square-foot office or hotel, and a 128 multifamily community. As I said, those 120 units are now under construction. The website for the Albemarle Business Campus lists a 715-unit storage facility and a firm called PS Fertility as existing tenants. There will be more on that particular story in this week's Seville Weekly that I wrote for this week's column. The final rezoning application filed in Albemarle County in 2023 would see a single-family residential property on Rio Road turned into a commercial venture. 
A couple has filed for a rezoning to operate a restaurant called Saigon Sandwiches at 2401 Northfield Road, a property that borders the busy Rio Road on the southern side. The land is currently zoned C1, and the owners want to have a second business as well. The intent of this project is to rezone the entire property from R2 to C1 and obtain a special use permit to allow hotel-motel use. That's from the application put together by the Meridian Planning Group. The hotel would be operated in the existing dwelling, and a new 1,200-square-foot building would be constructed for the food store in Delhi. The existing driveway would be removed, and a new parking lot would be built at the rear of the property. Here's more from the narrative. The property is within the Places 29 master plan and is designated at Neighborhood Density Residential. The location of the property is such that it is within the transition from the office retail to residential. Here are some other items seen from the zoning clearance directory. A zoning clearance has been approved for a new takeout restaurant called Royal Buryan in the Abamara Square shopping center. An application has been filed for a primary care medical office in the Ivy Commons shopping center in Ivy. The space had previously been occupied by Ivy Massage. A small drug discovery company called Adovate is seeking to use space at Seminole Place for eight full-time employees to develop small molecules for the treatment of inflammatory diseases. A letter to the county describes how the performance standards will be met. A business called Steam Discovery Academy has filed a zoning clearance for the site of a former ABC store in Albemarle Square Shopping Center. The brewery at 1800 Tiffin Farm Lane in Free Union seeks a zoning clearance for outdoor amplified music. The business currently has a banquet license from the Virginia Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority, but an industry brewery application is still pending. Willow River Veterinarian Services in the Southside Shopping Center will become the Mill Creek Veterinary Clinic if the zoning clearance is approved. Jim Price Chevrolet on US-29 is now Malloy Chevrolet because the zoning clearance is approved. And finally, the Building Services Division for Albemarle County Public Schools is seeking to relocate to Seminole Place in the space formerly occupied by Custom, Inc. But that's the end of number 622. So far, it's been a productive year with multiple editions of the newsletter published so far. In 2024, I'm hoping to follow up items more often and cover even more than I've covered in the past. Today's edition is sort of strange because it is a throwback to the time when I was writing a lot more about public health. That's going to continue a little bit this year. I noticed a lot last week this idea that more governments are paying more money for professional firefighters and rescue personnel in order to combat declining rates of volunteerism. That's the kind of trend that I want to write about and keep following up on to as many people as possible. All of this is paid for by subscribers and sponsors, and I'm grateful for each and every one. Ting matches the initial payment of every Substack subscriber, and goodbye 